1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 23 through 25. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 23 through 25. Say this in the word of God. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all. He is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Let's pray again. Lord, again, we thank you for your goodness and grace, and uh, Lord, we just uh, praise you and worship you and adore you, and Lord, thank you, Lord, that we have something to look forward to. We have a prince and a palace and the presence of the saints and so much more to look forward to. And Lord, we're glad, Lord, that that shall come to pass. Uh, dear God, and you promised us that. And so we look forward to it. But until then, we rest in your faithfulness. And we ask you to help us to stay faithful. Lord, I pray for each one that's here tonight, each one that's listening. Lord, I pray that you'd bless them for their faithfulness. Lord, give them what they need in their heart tonight. And Lord, may we just allow the things of earth to grow strangely dim, dear God, and uh, just be realigned and refocused and get our eyes on you. And uh, Lord, I pray that again, use the thoughts of your word to work in our life. And Lord, if by chance there's somebody here listening, even tonight that's not saved, which be a good thing, a wonderful thing to see that heart open, dear God, and then put their trust in the death, burial, resurrection, and shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, have your will and way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, as we look at this, uh, uh, these verses here, and uh, what is spoken of in these verses is certainly something uh, we would like to see in every time we come together. Well, one thing I think would be a good start, it said here there in verse 3, if there the whole church be come together. Well, that'd be a good start, seeing the whole church come together. Amen? See everybody uh, show up at one time? I'd probably have a heart attack, amen? <laughs> and see everybody show up at one time? Has that ever happened in a Baptist church since the book of I don't know. Anyways, I better get off that. But anyways, uh, uh, looking at this thought here, I think there's something illustrated here that is important to recognize. But before I mention that, uh, first let me mention here that he is emphasizing in this chapter, of course, the importance of giving out God's word clearly over speaking in tongues. You know, he says uh, there, if, if therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all <coughs> speak with tongues, there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that you are mad? I mean, if we came in tonight, we we're all just speaking. I think I asked the other night who knew uh, different uh, languages. I mean, if I just started uh, speaking in uh, uh, Bulgarian, I mean, I could probably, you know, I could stand here right now and give my testimony in Bulgarian. Now, that'd be a blessing to me because I'd enjoy hearing my testimony, but who else would understand it? I always enjoyed giving my testimony in Bulgarian. You know, I'd always say, Christos. <laughs> Chetoy Bog, Chetoy e moya spasita, Chetoy umram zameni slavna boga, asum spasen. Well, now it says you got to interpret. I said the greatest day in my life is when I understood that Jesus Christ is God and that he's the Savior and that he died for me. Amen. I said, glory to God, I'm saved. But see, until I told you what I meant, you just say, like, oh, there he goes again. He's lost and he's mad, which is probably true. 
whether I'm speaking in English or in the other language. But, you know, and then if uh, right after me, if I got up and then uh, Brother Adam got up and started speaking in uh, Kamai or something, I mean, you know, uh, we, well, I'm glad they know that language. They didn't do nothing for me. Well, that's sort of the same thing there because tongues, right, was a, 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 a language. But this reminds, just a quick reminder about tongues. Uh, we're not going to emphasize that, but since it's in the thought here, that tongues, of course, were what? A sign gift, a sign gift for the Jews. Notice verses uh, 21 and 22. Just look up there. It says, in the law it is written, right? Talk reference to the Old Testament. With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Now, who knows what verse that's referencing? Anybody know what verse that's referencing there in the Old Testament? Yeah. Isaiah 28, right. Uh, verse 11. So it says this, but notice what it says. With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. Right there. That's your context right there, this people. And if you go back to Isaiah 28, 11, it says, With stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to this people, talking about the Jews. And every time you see tongues spoken in Acts, again, Jews were present. I'm not just a touch basis and a reminder. Of course, Acts 2, it let them know that Pentecost was come, right? And the power of the Holy Spirit was there uh, for the church. Acts 10, we saw it, right? With Cornelius and letting them know and verifying that the Jews, I mean, the Gentiles could be saved. And then in Acts 19, right, Paul runs into uh, some uh, converts of uh, John the Baptist, and they'd only been baptized in John's name, and they didn't. Well, I never heard there was a Holy Ghost, so it was obviously they weren't there at Pentecost when it happened. And so, uh, Paul, they get baptized in the name of Jesus, and all right, then uh, they get the Holy Ghost and speak in uh, tongues. So you see that there was a sign to emphasize something each time. But in verse, so in verse 23, we see what happens if you emphasize tongues or maybe anything else for that matter over the giving of the word of God clearly. Then now even, you know, now here it says if it's tongues, they may think you're mad. But if there's anything else, the important thing here is not necessarily that they think you're mad, but when you give anything out or do anything in the church other than what God emphasizes, here's the sad part. Not necessarily what they think about you, but people don't get the help they need. That's the important thing to understand here. People don't get the help that they need when they come to church. These verses show what should truly be emphasized when the church comes together. And what is that? The giving forth of God's word clearly. That's what's important. And so it says here, but if all prophesy, prophesy. Now, usually when we think of uh, prophecy, right, we think about, you know, uh, one of the prophets telling something uh, in uh, the future. But here, prophecy is simply this, to declare God's truth, to declare God's truth through the inspiration, if you will, of God's Holy Spirit to give God's message. And boy, so if the Holy Spirit's going to be used in a service, the, uh, the greatest way for it to be used is that the, the, the one speaking would be full of the Holy Spirit and the word of God would go out and power the Holy Ghost in much assurance and the people there would be edified and get the help that they need from the word of God. And in this case, it gives us an example of salvation. 
salvation. And so notice it gives it here, verses 24 and 25. But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one and learn, notice what happens. He is convinced of all. He is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Now, this is certainly something that we'd like to see happen. We wish happened every time uh, the church doors were open. But here, I think it gives a good illustration of somebody getting saved and a great and the way that people should be saved. Notice it says they are convinced of all. And what this means is that, right, we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit being present. We're talking about the Word of God going forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so this word convinced means to be convicted, to convicted and prove, right, and prove to one that they're wrong and bring shame. And so what happens is the Word of God goes forth and the Holy Spirit power and through the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, that person is convinced of their sinful condition. And, now, and being convinced of their sinful condition and seeing that sinful condition in light of the Word of God and in light of the holiness of God, they suddenly become ashamed of their sin. They suddenly become ashamed of their sin. And it's notice that word judged of all. Judge them all. It means that to examine or question, to discern. In other words, they hear the word of God. They're convicted of their sin and they look at their sin and they look at their lifestyle. And all of a sudden it comes into question. Their lifestyle comes into question. And all of a sudden they have the discernment, if you will, through the Holy Spirit and the word of God to understand that because of their sinful condition, they are guilty before God. They are guilty before God, and they need to be saved. Just like it says there, the secrets of the heart are manifest. The secrets in the heart. Now, you know God knows what or who you truly are. But when you come face, but in this situation, through the power of the Word of God and the power of the Spirit of God, the person comes face to face with who or what they truly are and the secrets of their heart. That secret means that which one wants to conceal, that one tries to hide away. Do you have secrets? Listen, at some time in our life, maybe even tonight, I don't know, you might have secrets in your heart, things that you're trying to conceal from God, things you're trying to hide from God. Well, you might be able to hide them from us, but you cannot hide them from God. He already knows them. He already knows them, but what he wants is for you to know them <laughs> and to see the reality of your sin. So, the, the, so that word manifest means this, to make apparent or to be made plain. It means to make shine. I like that, that, uh, uh, that definition, to make shine, because that's sort of where you get the thought, hey, the light turns on. <laughs> the light turns on in their head. The light turns on in their heart. And uh, they see their sinful condition, and they realize, hey, man, I got to do something about this. And, uh, and I, uh, I just heard that Jesus Christ is in the way, and they put their trust in him. So I believe that it's a good illustration here of one who is convinced of the awfulness of sin in their life. 
And that's what I want to emphasize for a moment. They give an illustration here. Notice it again that it says they are convinced of all. In other words, all the sin in their life, they're convicted of it. They understand it and they become ashamed. You know what? That's good. Sin is something to be ashamed of. We need to emphasize that today, that sin is something to be ashamed of. Hey, listen, Paul said, I'm not ashamed. We're not the ones that need to be ashamed. We don't need to be ashamed because we believe the Bible is the word of God. We don't need to be ashamed of what we believe in. The Bible says, let the wicked be ashamed. And if you have, uh, if you have uh, known uh, sin in your life or if you're not saved, amen, you need to be ashamed of your sinful condition. And we pray that that would be manifest in your life, that you would see it clearly. And so this person, notice here, he, he's convinced of all, he's convicted of it, and he is judged of all. He looks and he says, man, he, he sort of runs what, what he's just heard from the Word of God, and the Spirit of God is working his heart. He says, man, uh, he, he understands that. The secrets of his heart are made manifest. And suddenly he realizes the awfulness of sin in their life, and it is clearly revealed or manifest to them. And so now, uh, understanding that, it's easy for them to see their need of salvation. Now, when we uh, today, often uh, when we witness to people, what do we uh, emphasize? We all we like to emphasize the love and the grace of God. And I say, Amen. Emphasize the love and grace of God. But you know what? This might sound funny, but I think sometimes we can overemphasize it, or that's all we emphasize. And so, my my point here is this: people need to understand and be convicted of the awfulness and consequences of sin. Just like we see in this illustration, it says that he was, he was convinced, he got convicted, that the, the, the sinful conditions and the secrets of his heart were made known through the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and he found himself wanting before God. Right? The secrets of his heart were manifest. And so what? So falling down on his face... He will worship God. Listen, uh, they didn't need to sing. Doesn't sound like they needed to sing 10 stanzas of a song to get this guy up to the altar, you see? And so what he just, he just clearly saw the awfulness of his sin in light of the word of God, and I believe in light of the holiness of God. And we need to, and people need to understand that. We need to get back to emphasizing and people understanding the awfulness and the consequences of sin. Yes, we love to say that, that Jesus died to show the love of God, right? God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So emphasize, tell them that Jesus died to show his love, but also he died to show the awfulness and the price of sin. Not only did he die to show God's love for you, but he, he's also died to show you that sin is an awful and terrible thing. And we need to realize that. You know, maybe, maybe one reason people have trouble letting, letting go of sin you know, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, when we got saved, we've been set free from sin, right? We, we've talked about sin has no more power over us. But sometimes for some reason, after people get saved, they have a, a trouble letting go of some sin. They have something that just keeps setting them back in their life. 
Boy, that's why I think they, maybe they need to understand and we need to pray, right? That, 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 that the Holy Spirit of God would just uh, uh, shine his great light into them in the word of God and they'd realize the awfulness, the awfulness of that sin that they continue to do, that they continue to go after, that they continue to give in. You've heard that word. I don't know. You don't hear much anymore. People just talk about that, that besetting sin, right? Uh, listen, uh, uh, we don't need to have a besetting sin. We need to take that, that, that sin that we're battling and say, oh God, let me see this sin through your eyes. Lord, let me see this sin right through the word. When I think about Jesus on the cross and shedding his blood for me, I'm glad that he did the show of love, but let me realize the reason that happened is because of the awfulness of sin. And let me help me to grasp the awfulness of the sin in my life and through the eyes of a holy God. You know, if we teach to love and grace, that's great. But again, also emphasizing the holiness of God, because I think it's when people get a, get a good look at the holiness of God, it's easier for them to understand the awfulness of sin in light of uh, the eyes of a holy God. And I think when we get our emphasis on holiness, right, not just living holy, but the, how, how holy God truly is, it's easier for one to understand the terribleness of sin and the awfulness of sin in light of holiness. So again, 1 Corinthians 14 here, I think, shows a, a good example or a good illustration of one who saw the awfulness of sin in their life. Even though I realize it's given the illustration, it seems to emphasize that. Again, convinced of all. And, uh, and, and, and judged of all. Boy, that ought to be our, our prayer when we come to church and sinners come in or, or, or we're, we're uh, witnessing to somebody or we're praying for somebody to be saved. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would take the word of God that they've heard and just, just bring great convicting power upon that heart and manifest to them the awfulness of their sinful condition or the awfulness of that sin that they continually uh, just give themselves to, right, instead of doing the right thing. You know, Paul was glad it was revealed to him and that he understood the awfulness of sin. I like this verse, Romans uh, 7.13, what Paul says here. I've got two minutes. Romans 7.13 says this. Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin, that it might appear sin, right? That's what we want. God, let sin appear as sin in my life. Lord, uh, I want this. If I'm doing something that's not right in your eyes, if I'm doing something that's wrong according to the word of God, Lord, let the Holy Spirit convict me and let it appear as sin to me because it appears as sin to you. Look at what the verse goes on to say. Working death in me by that which is good. And notice how this verse That sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Exceeding sinful. That is how sin should appear to us as believers. 
If there's something we're having trouble, we just say, God, let me see the awfulness of this sin. Let this sin appear as sin in my heart in a great uh, uh, way. Lord, let me see that it's exceeding sinful before your eyes. And Lord, I want to think about sin like you think about sin. And I want to see it as exceeding sinful in my life. That word exceeding means going beyond to a great in extent, very extensive, beyond uh, the limit. And we always think of maybe some great sin, but I, you know, I think of David this morning, right? You see, he was so sensitive that even though he didn't kill Saul, just the cutting of that garment, doing something out of the flesh, doing something in his own self-will, you know what? The, his heart was smitten. Why? Because even that little thing came across to him as exceeding sinful, exceeding sinful. Remember, I've said this before. The closer you walk with God, the thinner the line becomes in what is sin or what is wrong. Maybe you don't understand that, but as you walk with God, you'll understand that. I've said that before. When you first get saved, where's sin? Oh, sin's on the other side of town. That's where sin is. Sin is on the other side of town. Boy, you get close to God, all of a sudden it's right across the street. Then you get close to God, all of a sudden it's in the other room. Boy, you get close with God, all of a sudden it's right next to you. Boy, then you really start to understand you think it's right there in one of the chambers of your, your heart. where That's actually where it was the whole place, but you're just starting to realize this. It's just being manifest to you that the heart is deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who can, You don't even know the wickedness and vileness of your own heart. No, I don't. But I want to understand that, amen, in light of the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the holiness of God. Now, remember, it is the Holy Spirit that shows one the awfulness of sin in light of the holiness of God. Now, when we think of the Holy Spirit, oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit's there to guide. Oh, and it's there to lead us into all truth, and it's there to bring things back to remembrance. But what else does it say about the Holy Spirit? Well, it says this in John 16, right, verses 8 through 10, says this, And when he has come, talking about the Holy Spirit, it says, He will reprove. He will reprove. And that word means what? To convict to prove one in the wrong and thus to shame him. Just like we see in the illustration here in 1 Corinthians 14. What happened? Right? It was manifest. He was shamed by his sin. And so he fell on his face before God, which is the right reaction when you see your sin in light. Amen. Of what God thinks about it. It says he will reprove the world of what? The first thing he reproves the world of is sin. Because the first thing you need to deal with is sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He says, it reprove them of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no fool. You see, when Jesus walked the earth, his life convicted people of sin. His testimony convicted people of sin. But now he's going up so the Holy Spirit is there, amen, to give that testimony of the awfulness of sin. And then verse 11, of judgment because of the prince of this world is judge. So the Holy Spirit is there to reprove us. And we see an example of it here to convict, prove one is wrong. So uh, exact, exactly, this is exactly what happened, I think, in our illustration in 1 Corinthians 14. This person was 
convicted. And of course, the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God, and that is why prophesying or preaching is needed in the known language, right? In the known language. Boy, that's not always easy. You know, I'm, you know, when I was in Bulgaria, of course, I, I learned Bulgarian, but, you know, I traveled a lot of countries. Sometimes I only had to use one translator. Sometimes I had to use two uh, uh, or more uh, uh, translators. Well, you talk about, uh, uh, you know, ha- having to wait. It's one, now, if you get a good translator, I've had good translators, you know, uh, you can almost speak without even having to hesitate once that translator picks up on you. But when you got two translators, right, that even, even makes, it, makes it harder. But, hey, getting it in the known language, and, of course, he, the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the Word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, what? Piercing. Amen. We, we read in Acts, it says they were pierced in the heart. They were cut to the heart. That's what the Word of God does. And you know what? That's what, that's what we want the Word of God to do in a sinner's heart when we're witnessing to him. That's what we want the Word of God to do in somebody's heart that needs to be saved. But you know what? If we're saved... And we're saved and we're, we're being held back by some continuous sin in our life. You know what we want the Word of God to do? We want the Holy Spirit to take that Word of God and pierce us and convict us, right? And drive that Word deep into our heart. Even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints of the marrow. And look at this. And as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You can't fool this book. You can't fool this. This is a living book, and you can't fool it. Listen, that book right there knows what you're up to. (laughs) That book right there knows what you're up to. And you know what? It's glad to tell you. It's glad to tell you. Boy, don't you hate when somebody tells you? You've heard me talk about my my, uh, godly grandma, Stuart. Couldn't get away with nothing when I lived with her. I mean, mean, she she would... tell me what I was getting ready to do when I'd come home. She'd tell me what I did. I mean, God uh, spoke to her. Man, how many times I had to walk across the street and break a switch off, right? The, 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 the bush I had to break a switch off was across the street, right by the mailbox. I'll never forget it, right? And walk over there and break that switch. And, and oh, boy, I tell you what, she would let me have. It didn't matter how old I was at the time, man. Ooh, that time she found that chewing the back of my back pocket, red man. Oh, why ever chewed that stuff? I was trying to keep up with my big old farm boy cousins. That stuff was nasty. Man, boy, she was a holy, she, she was a holy woman, amen. She about beat me to death. But listen, but the Holy Spirit is there, amen, to convict you and is a discerner in thoughts and tents of the heart. And you know what? You should be glad. You should be glad, amen, that the Spirit of God and the Word of God does that. You see, you see, over there he talks about tongues. And what is he saying? He said, when you read through there and it says about tongues, well, who do they help? Well, they edify that person or they help that person. You see, tongues or languages, which is what tongues means, they're languages, known languages, right? Unknown maybe to the person, but we're about self. You see, the tongues were about self, but preaching was about souls, Amen. Jesus didn't die so you could glorify self. Amen. He died for souls. And that once your soul gets saved, he can use you, amen, to reach other souls. Much of what is done in churches today, unfortunately, is more about self 
than souls. We need to make sure that the emphasis, when the church comes together, at least when our church comes together, the emphasis stays on the Word of God. The emphasis stays on the Lord Jesus Christ. The emphasis stays on souls, where it should be. Verse uh, 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 23, again, the purpose is not to entertain sinners. The purpose is to convert sinners. Verse 25, and look, look, look how it ends. It says, he falls on his face. Amen, he gets saved. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and what? And report that God is in you of a truth. Amen. He tells others, for he knows by the power of his conversion these people are real, and that's what we want. We want people to know that we're real, amen, that this church is the real deal, that we're the real deal, amen. That's, that, would be our, that would be our desire. But listen, as, as we see this example this, uh, that gives this man coming in, and because he understood the Word of God, he understood the awfulness of his sin, and he understood the holiness of God, and he understood his need of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. So may the Lord help us to keep that emphasis there, but may, may the Lord remind us and give us a fresh reminder of the awfulness of sin. And boy, if there's something in our life, we pray that just you need to pray, God, bring that Holy Ghost conviction like you did in the illustration upon this man. Manifest the secrets of my heart. And Lord, help me to deal with that sin, Lord, so I can move forward with and for you. You know, if you're reading Isaiah 5, if you're in ver Isaiah 5 and 6, you'll notice something in those chapters, finishing, finishing up here, right? It's 629 and a half. Listen, you'll notice in Isaiah 5, you'll notice this. In Isaiah 5, Isaiah's what? He's looking out, right? In Isaiah 5, he's looking out. He's looking at, he's looking at the people in Judah. And when he's looking out, what is he saying? He says in verse 8, woe unto them. Verse 11, woe unto them. Verse 18, woe unto them. Verse 20, woe unto them. Verse 21, woe unto them. Verse 22, woe unto them. Right? That's what he says. You see, when we look out, well, we like to point the finger at people. Now, God is probably having him do that. But a lot of times people get their eyes on people. Boy, they like to find everybody else's fault. But in chapter 6, he's no longer looking out. What is he doing? He's looking up. And when he looks up, he sees the holiness of God. And in chapter 6, after, after he sees God high and lifted up, after he sees those seraphim out there crying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Hey, they weren't, listen, again, thank God for the love of God, but they weren't crying love, love, love. Thank God for the grace of God, but they weren't crying grace, grace, grace. Thank God for the mercy of God, but they weren't crying mercy, mercy, mercy. They were crying what? The highest attribute of God, his holiness. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And boy, once he looked up and he got a fresh look at the holiness of God, instead of saying, woe unto them, what did he say? He said, woe is me. Woe is me. All of a sudden, you think, man, Isaiah, he was the prophet. What could have been wrong in his life? Like I said, the closer you get to God, the thinner the line is. And even in his life, he had to say, woe is me about something. For I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And that is what people need to cry out. Boy, they need, a, they need we need a fresh glimpse of the holiness of God. When we get a fresh glimpse of the holiness of God, we'll get a fresh understanding of the awfulness 
of sin in our life and that people would get that in their life. So many people are looking out when they need to be looking up and looking in. So may the Lord help us to emphasize and get a fresh understanding in this day. Boy, because the, the world out there, listen, if they want to call a uh, uh, good evil and evil good, that's them. But listen, in, in the house of God and in our own life, we need to continue to call evil, evil, and good, good. We need to keep it right. May the Lord help us to emphasize the awfulness of sin when witnessing to others. And may we also ask the Holy Spirit to emphasize it in our life as well with things that we need to deal with. Let's pray.